Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Fluently Forward. Today, we have on a very special repeat guest. We have NT, aka NT Lawyer, aka, did you know his name is Brad? No, I'm actually kidding. I don't know what his name is. <laughs> um, anyway, you have probably heard him on a previous episode that we did. Um, NT is, if anyone is new here and doesn't know who Enti is, he is the one who writes all of the blind items or like about 80 to 90% of them that we get for this podcast. So he founded crazydaysandnights.net. And if you want to hear a little bit more about him, check out episode number 18 called Enti and his crazy days and nights. And we talk a little bit more about, you know, how he founded crazydaysandnights.net, where he gets all of his blind items from and things like that. So I'm very, very honored to have him back for a second episode. Um, As you can imagine, if blind items are my religion, then NT is my Jesus Christ. So we get into a bunch of things in this episode, um, including just kind of more of the ins and outs of how this website works. And how blind items work. We talk about the Oscars. We talk about specific celebrities. Um, and then at the end, we just ask him a little bit about himself. So it's a long conversation. We talk the shit. If you want any timestamps, of course, go over to Instagram at Fluently Forward. And then you can kind of, if you know, some people like to pick and choose what parts of a podcast they listen to. So you can head over there. So without any further ado, let's welcome NT back to the podcast. Let's get into it. I'm so excited that we have NT, aka NT Lawyer, back on the podcast for another episode. Uh, welcome, NT. For anyone who doesn't know who you are, even though I'm pretty sure 100% of people who listen to my podcast do, could you explain a bit about yourself and how uh, you're so involved with Crazy Days and Nights? Yeah, well, I started Crazy Days and Nights when I was bored at work um, many, many years ago now. And just I do entertainment law and I had some stories to share. And since then, it's kind of transformed, modified, adapted into what it is now, which is mostly just blind items. Mm-hmm. And some people are confused. Do you do this full time? Are you a lawyer? How much of your blind items come from being an entertainment lawyer versus tips? What can you say to that? I really try to make sure that none of them come from me being a lawyer because I don't ever want that line to be crossed or have, I, I would never cross that line, but I don't even want people to think or worry that there's some kind of attorney-client, you know, privilege being broken. I'm also very careful about making it very clear who um, celebrity friends are and that I don't get anything from those celebrity friends and make it very clear and upfront so that way people don't go after them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I am a lawyer and I... Uh, actually, I was supposed to do a podcast with somebody in a couple of weeks and I couldn't because I have court both of those days. Um, and I would say that like on a day like today, I woke up, I did work, work. Then I had to go do the radio show that I do every week. Then after that, I did work, work and the blog. And then I'm coming and spending time with you. And then after this, I have some more work to do and write the episode for tomorrow. And then I have the Zoom party. So um, would you yeah. call yourself a girl boss <laughs> or a boy <laughs> boss? <laughs> I, I would not call. I don't know. I would just I just get stuff done. OK, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. An executor then. Um, I have a bunch of questions for you today. A lot were write-ins. A lot were ones that I just like have of my own. So the first kind of stack of things that people are curious, it's very much about you and the blog and how it works and how blind items work in this entire process. So something that a lot of people were asking, um, 
When I first discovered Crazy Days and Nights, I would go through the website and you, after certain blind items have like enough information on them, you'll reveal who they're about and you'll see the names associated with it. So that was how I think if you're like a 101 on the site, I would just go through and read the reveals. And then over time, you start to be able to figure it out on your own. What's that process like of determining what makes a reveal? And if something ever comes out as false, do you remove it or do you leave it up? Um, well, first of all, if it comes out as false, I probably would have a pretty good idea that it's not maybe 100% true, so I probably wouldn't reveal it. So that's not generally an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, I think to myself that I just want everything to, to be as real as possible. What I normally do is what used to be, I used to write articles, and over time that kind of morphed. And those articles would be things that were happening in the news. And then I would put some twist on it and I'd put a little bit of gossip with it. And then over time I said, because work was getting so demanding, what I did was I took a little bit of that, that gossip that I would put in there and make that a blind item. It's not that I didn't have blind items on the site. I did. I just didn't have as many. And so instead of having the little gossip just be spelled out, I made, I decided to turn those into blind items. So the ones that I reveal on a, on a, basically a weekly basis. I, if I write one on March 24th, I'll reveal it on March 31st or thereabouts. And those are fairly harmless, sometimes little nuggets, sometimes better than not. And then the good ones, the ones that are generally uh, categorized as today's blind items or something like that, or long blind item, then I'll reveal those either on July 4th or January 1st for the preceding six months. Mm -hmm. And then over time, some of those don't even get revealed. So the day after Thanksgiving, um, I will do ones from basically the, the history of the site. And, and then as things come along, you know, sometimes I'll reveal, re-reveal them. And sometimes a little, I used to wait until something would happen and then reveal it, even if it was a couple months. And one of the things that happened this week where I guess maybe I wish I would have waited was six or seven weeks ago, I got a tip that Hillary Baldwin was said, what we need to do is we need to have a baby and then that'll make the, everybody forget about all of this. And I wrote yes. that. Yes, I, I remember it. reading that. Yeah. Yeah. And I revealed it, but I revealed it five weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of wish that I had waited until this week when it happened, but you just, you never know. And it's just better to, to, to get things out like that. Um, yeah. Well, do you think, would you rather, and I'm curious from like, what's more beneficial to you? Would you rather reveal something the day before it happens? So it seems topical or would you rather reveal it like five weeks ago? So then that way you have that credibility of like, see, like these blind items are true. I knew it this much earlier. That's a really good question, Shannon, because I, the problem with doing it the day before is sometimes you'll get a tip and you'll miss it. It'll just be in your email or whatever, and you'll miss it. And then it'll come out the next day and you'll get another email from the person who sent it and said, how come you didn't post it? I gave it to you. So it's really, it's, it's, it's cutting a fine line. And I, I, I love when I get it and it happens the next day, but I also worry that I'm missing something um, and not checking it out so much just because of the fact that it's so time sensitive that it doesn't give you enough time to, to really look at it and, and to think about it and whether or not it's true. So you really want the next day kind of satisfaction. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's nice to, to be four or five weeks early. Yeah. And I am curious how many 
tips you kind of get a day. I've had a couple people DM me saying, oh, like I have a tip for end year. I want to send in a blind. How do I do that? I referred them to on your website. I think that you can either email yourself a tip um, or you can DM through Twitter. So about how many tips do you get like a day? I'm assuming like post Oscars, you would get a lot more or something like that. (laughs) Well, yeah. Like, I mean, Oscar Sunday night was, um, was great because it was kind of back to normal. I know we had Oscars before, but the, but my main person was there and hadn't really even gone to any parties in the last two years. So they were there and they were on top of it. They were just super excited to be back doing it kind of thing. And that was really, really great. So people can, you know, obviously where you said you can, they can email me or whatever. I would say that a normal day, not Oscar weekend, anywhere from 15 to 50 or 60 Wow. Okay. And how many of out of, let's say you get 50, how many of those would you be like, I'm going to post it. I think that that one's true. Like 10 maybe. Okay. Interesting. I mean, because there's, you can tell and, and uh, people have an agenda, you know, and I think that you've been doing this long enough now where you can tell if something kind of sounds right or doesn't sound right, or somebody's really trying to get you to, to write something. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's some big stands and fanfic and all this kind of stuff, and they want their positions known, and they will send it to you ten different kind of ways just to try and get you to post it. And 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 then also, it has to be interesting. I don't really usually care about some C lister that I will save it if it's a C lister because maybe they'll become famous one day. Yeah. But but also, there's just less interest. And also, how do you describe somebody who? Has a great, I you know, a good career and their supporting role on four or five different shows. It's just almost impossible to describe them. Yeah. Yeah. And I've gotten, because after I post episodes, a lot of people write in and either, you know, confirm or deny, but mostly confirm different blind items. Um, this past week, we did one on Mean Girls, and I had a bunch of people write in confirming your blind items on Tina Fey, saying that Tina Fey is really pretentious, you know, orders people not to speak to her unless she has to be spoken to, all these things I weren't expecting. But then I've also had some people write in and like you say, there will be a blind item for years about someone with sexual assault allegations. And then someone in the DMs will say, I saw him at a coffee shop and he seemed really nice. And I think that that's (laughs) not true. And I'm like, what? Like, did this whole Harvey Weinstein thing mean nothing to you? So it is weird when people write in um, having literally no, barely any contact with someone and thinking that like five minutes of an interaction determines their character when you have like years of blind items and allegations from people saying otherwise. So I'm sure you must get that a lot. This is kind of veering into another territory, but something I found out recently from podcaster friends is that there is, what's their name? There's like an Army Hammer gang who rides for Army Hammer. I would start with, well, I'm the ruler of this planet, so uh, respect me. And I would have thought everyone hated him. Have you gotten people writing in saying that like Army Hammer is actually a good guy? All the time. And, oh, are and, you serious? But, and he, he did such a good job. I mean, I'm not, he and his team did such a good job of discounting everybody who came against him. Oh, I, they yeah. just, I, they just went hard on her. They went, you know, just whatever we can dig up, whatever we're just going to trash her, we're going to trash everybody that kind of came up to the point where, see, I told you guys nothing. 
And what happened as soon as she was finally like thrown away, oh, I'm done with rehab or sex addiction stuff. I'm done with all that. I'm back, you know, just I'm normal because everything was tossed aside. So yeah, there's a whole army of that. Um, what I've discovered is, you know, there people think bot armies don't really exist, but they do. And you see it if you look in the sense of, say, like the war between Russia and Ukraine, you see all this propaganda and bot wars and stuff. They're very easily hireable, you know, to do whatever oh. you need to have done, you know? You know what? And I think I've seen them in happen in real life on TikTok. I've had certain videos go viral and the same exact phrase as a comment will be repeated with the same number of exclamation points, the same misspelling 50 times on one of my videos. And I'll just go like, I know that there's bots in play where if a video goes viral, TikTok probably does it to like amp up their analytics and engagement. Like there's there's bots for hire everywhere, I think. Of course, yeah. celebrities are using them. <clears throat> exactly. And so Armin did a really good job of that. And going back to something you had said, I think when we, a couple of minutes ago, with people being influenced and they want certain things. You did the post about Kourtney Kardashian and what she wore to the Oscars. Yeah. And you made a very good point. It's just yeah. go look to see what people are writing. And let's, let's, we're not judging how she looks as an individual. We're just judging the clothing, but it was atrocious. And yeah. it, it looked atrocious. And if you say otherwise, then we, you know that you have an agenda that you're just basically a Kardashian stan and you will have, you know, nothing to to be said negative about them. Yeah. And that's yeah. The, where you can see it the best because uh, honest to God, that was atrocious. <laughs> it was it was not the best dress at all. Um, and I do think too, I'm, I'm always very interested in where PR comes into play with this. I've kind of gotten into the crosshairs with Dumois about this, but I'm always on the lookout for like PR lingo. And I feel I have the secret conspiracy myself that PR teams will send in blind items uh, pretending that they're just like a regular person because I see some blind items saying like this couple's like very much in love or like looking completely stunning. And I just think to myself, I don't know if people, like my friends and I, if they we saw a celebrity, we would never text each other that. It's very much like Us Weekly. Do you think that there are PR people trying to get into the blind item gang and like pretend that they're normals and, you know, make sure that their C-lister is talked about more or something like that? Or do you think that they stay away from blinds and they're more into tabloids, People Magazine? No, I think that obviously People Magazine and tabloids are their A-game. But yeah, you'll get, just like you said, you'll get... <laughs> And sometimes they'll even say, look, I even wrote it for you. And they're, <laughs> yeah. they're all just horrifically kind and yeah. very sweet, like sugary breakfast cereal kind of thing. And you can tell. And sometimes because Jonathan Chabin will write some of his own. And, <laughs> and so every once in a while, it's like he just wants to get beaten up or something. And, and so he will write one. And I go, I can tell you wrote it. Yeah. And then I'm just, but I go ahead and put it out there anyway and let everybody know that I know that he's, he's written it. Mm. And, and there's, there's certain ones like that. Now, now I haven't really talked to do about it, but I'm assuming that at this point she can tell pretty much when, when something seems very PR-ish. And I would imagine that she gets more of that than, than I do because she is going for not, I want to say it, the just easy kind of stuff where, oh, you know, I saw Harry with Olivia kind of thing and very kind of innocuous and just something that a P very PRE kind of thing. And 
So, but I haven't asked her if she thinks like she's, she's just getting nailed with that kind of stuff. Yeah. I try to look at it from the other perspective too, where like, if I was like a social climbing, like a Jacob Elordi type, I would totally say to my publicist, like, Hey, put me in a Dumas spot and like get, get the Gen Z folk talking about me for like a little bit on Sunday. Cause like, that's a great way to get a boost to be talked about. And like you said, um, you know, like a spotting is something kind of like casual where like, it's not going to harm your reputation in any way. No, he's such a jerk, though. Yes, I know. We did one on Euphoria, and, um, you know, a lot of your blinds talk about him allegedly being closeted, which we talked about, and there was a photo of him and his new relationship with his girlfriend at a park, like, hanging out with puppies with a picnic blanket. It was just, like, so ridiculous. It's, like, almost like you could see a ring light out of frame. It was just so obviously staged. Yeah, and, you know, I don't really have any, you know— ins or outs about the the whole gay thing with him i just i concentrate mostly on just him being a jerk and and trying to somehow say hey he tried to do the whole thing with kendall jenner where he had his publicity team kind of doing the whole lady gaga bradley cooper thing where uh. trying to put him with kendall jenner or just and i could see you know if, if chris got a hold of that she go hmm euphoria guy yeah. or some random who plays for the phoenix suns good player Devin book is a good player but you know, I could see where she, the wheels were kind of turning in her head about yeah. that. And I also thought it was interesting that Kendall went to the Vanity Fair party, that she was the one chosen to go rather than, you know, let's say Chloe. Hey Vogue, it's Kendall Jenner. Come get ready with me for the Vanity Fair Oscar party. So the dress is here. I'm so excited. She's here from Paris. You ready? Balenciaga gown. We're really excited about it. Balenciaga and Demna actually reached out to me when I was just in Paris for Fashion Week. And I'm extremely honored to be able to wear their clothing head to toe. I'm super excited. I think it's gorgeous. I think it's really different for me. Feels very Balenciaga, but still very elegant and beautiful in my opinion, very perfect for Vanity Fair Oscar party. So I'm excited. Um, Kylie couldn't go, I don't think, because they would just, the questions I think would be too much. Mm, yeah. Um, I think if Kendall and Jacob were together too, they would look like brother and sister or something. I feel like they just have the same like tall, dark feature face shape. But like you said, it, isn't it fun to sit there sometimes and say, if I had to put together a PR coupling, like who would be a good match? Like, mm. I think Normani should be in one. I think For Jack sure. Harlow should be in one. I'm like, oh, a bunch of people. It's like a fun game, like a board game at night or something. Norm Normani could use that. Normani needs, yeah. uh, she's so close. And I, I said the other day, I think in a Q&A, like, I think 2022 could be her year. Yeah. She just, she needs something like that. The whole Jacob Elordi, Kaya Gerber one just was just bonkers because, <laughs> I mean, I think it was done. I think Jacob went to somebody and I think it was more with Cindy Crawford and, and Randy Gerber that wanted it because they're like, Kaya, you know, you can't be with Kara. This mm -hmm. is just not going to work. And at the same time, the brother, remember, he was getting face tattoos. So they said, Oh my gosh, we need to do something. Um, let's get Jacob Elordi and we'll have Kaya and, and we'll be in a relationship. And and Kaya just doesn't seem. I mean, I, I'm hope that hopeful that she and Austin Butler. Uh, that seems real to me. Yeah. Um, it could be. I, I think that they might have some some issues when it comes to um, imbibing. Let's say. 
but I think that they, I think that they're a genuine couple, unlike say Jacob. Definitely. And it's nice to hear that too, because sometimes you get into, I know I get into such a rut. I'm like, everything's PR, like nothing is real. You forget that like there are actual couples out there who aren't just, you know, calling the paparazzi on themselves. And there also are, I think, real couples who do call the paparazzi on themselves. Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) And and there's a TikTok that I did right at the beginning when I started, and I haven't really been doing TikToks lately. But, you know, there is a Coldwater Canyon Park I talked about it. There is a park where the paparazzi stay mm-hmm. um, during the day because it's got a lunch truck and it's got Wi-Fi, and because there and it's also got bathrooms. So they'll stay right over there, and it's a good two or three minute drive from, say, like Rodeo. And it can also get you over the canyon if somebody needs you to to go into into the valley or something. And there are so many celebrities who are aware of this. And so if they have children or not, it's what reminded me of it is what you said about Jacob and the puppies is that they bring their kids, they bring a blanket, they sit there, play with their kids for 10 minutes, have the photos taken, the photographers take the photos, then the parents get up with the blanket, they take the kid and they leave. They don't even bother to after, hey, mom, dad, can we go play on the playground? No, 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 we're leaving. This was just a photo op. I've seen photos too where like the nanny is bringing the kid and then the celebrity mother will like hold the kid for a little bit and then you see (laughs) photos of like the nanny packing everything up and like they're not even touching the child it's like oh come on you couldn't even fake it for like the five minutes from like the car to the park I know you mentioned that you have we got a lot of questions people were wondering are you going to come back on TikTok or are you taking a break it's not that I all the things that like I listed today Mm. It's just that I did. And then my problem is here's how you have the advantages because your TikToks are great, but you just, you'll be doing your hair and you'll just have your <laughs> phone sitting up there and you'll start talking and everything. And it's so perfect. Me, I have to do it. And then I have to find photos and everything to put in there since I don't really have it. Or I would just have some kind of blank screen, which I'm not sure the TikTok algorithm would really love. So it's this extra little bit. It takes me an hour rather than you know, I'm sure that you're so good at it now. You can probably do it like in five or six minutes. Yeah. So, you know, so that there's this big time commitment. And I, I wonder, when I say to myself, okay, well, do I want to spend an hour doing a TikTok or do I want to spend an hour writing for a podcast or, or doing something like that? So it's, yeah. it's kind of, I have a whole bunch of stories actually written um, that are really good for TikTok. So I, I just, I need to just make the commitment to do them. You should get an intern. I'm sure there's tons of people who would be like, <laughs> oh my God, I would put that together for you. <laughs> Now, another question people had, um, they were wondering, is the is the structure of Crazy Days and Nights, the website, ever going to change? I personally love how it is old school blog. Like, I actually read it with a cup of coffee on my desktop like it's the morning paper every day. Would you ever consider going on Instagram, turning it into a newsletter, or do you think don't mess with what is good already? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, there was, when I started it, you really didn't have a lot of choices. It was blogger. It was free. This is what it was going to look like. Yeah. Right. And then over the years, I had some people um, do some go behind the scenes and mess around with the blogger code so I could do some things that other people on blogger couldn't do. And then I got cute and decided, you know what? Um, I'm too big for blogger. So I'm going to I'm going to go to WordPress and have my own server and all this kind of stuff. And that was a disaster. Um, You spend a whole bunch of money and you get hacked all the time. And it was awful. And I regret that two and a half years very much. And then went back to blogger and it's but I had to move everything both times. But so I went back to blogger and it just felt like a like a like a warm blanket. 
And I would never change. And I read, I think I contributed actually to an article a few years ago. Um, God, probably with Vulture or something like that. And they were talking about old school websites. If you think about it, Perez hasn't really changed from what he was. Michael Kay hasn't really changed. And then there was things like Pink is the New Blog. And we were just all kind of clunky. Even Lainey, if you look at hers, it's still the same. We haven't really ever changed anything. And I kind of like that a little bit. It just says, hey. um, We, this is a secret that I might Mm -hmm. cut out, but we are going to be having Perez Hilton on in a couple of weeks. Have you ever (laughs) connected with him or worked with him? I know he's like, he doesn't, he did blind items for a little bit, um, but I consider him very different than someone like you or other blind item websites. Um, he and I have an up and down relationship. I bet uh, he has he, that with everyone in his life. <laughs> um, I I don't even know if he knows this, but I used to every once in a while I would go to uh, Coffee Bean when he was when he was there. Yeah, and okay. and I would and I would go say hi or whatever. And I don't think I've ever told him that I actually did that, and he wouldn't remember anyway. Um, you know, like I said, there's if I call out somebody that he doesn't think so he'll say no that's not true or whatever and and he'll you know fight me in public on that we have a very good mutual friend named who kind of um so i don't think either one of us would ever go kind of full ballistic on either one of us because we wouldn't want to have to decide Mm. um who she likes more and um but there's been times that I've talked to some people on that work for him and everything. He's totally changed. If you think about how yeah. he started and now I think he's more of a brand yes. rather than, than a blogger. And he's, he's more people magazine than he is national Enquirer. Yeah. Less like in, dicks being drawn on people's yeah. faces and stuff like that. Yeah, And that's fine for him. And that, yeah. that's great. And I, I'm glad you're having him on. And um, Yeah. Okay. Now, speaking of people that know you, you've mentioned, you mentioned this in the last time that you were on the pod, um, is that you have celebrities that you are actually friends with or you know in real life. Do they know you as who you actually are or do they know you as NT, the anonymous blind item curator? Some. Like there's a couple that know. Like there's a few and, and you can kind of figure out which ones know both. You know, so people would know you as yourself first, and then some people would kind of figure out that you're NT. No, some people know me as both because of okay. the fact that there's a there's a few, very, very, very few. Um, and then there's some, honestly, that celebrities just know me as NT, mm. and and you know we we won't hang out or whatever, but they'll 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 know who I am, and we'll talk back and forth. And then there's some that just know me as as the real me. And then it's, it can be kind of confusing. Well, I would um, imagine honestly. if you're at a party and someone comes up to you and they're like, did you know I went to a soup kitchen last week? You'd be like, oh, they probably want me to write a blind about this or something. Do you ever have people try to suck up to you? <laughs> no, not like that. I mean, they would <laughs> suck up to me. They would suck up to me through an email saying, oh, you know, so-and-so went to a soup kitchen or whatever. And, oh, gotcha. Uh, like that. So I, I find that, and you will see people slip up who know me. And because I don't edit, you know, so I did one with Tom Arnold who, uh, and we talked for, I think, two hours and something like that. And, you know, there was a couple of times that he slipped up in there, but it wasn't to the point where it was compromising or whatever. So, gotcha. um, you know, but it's, it's, so you do kind of worry sometimes, especially when you're talking to Tom, because he can go, um, you know, just all kinds of different directions and stuff like that. 
Yeah, yeah, and you wouldn't want him to say your real name, which is well, he wouldn't do that. He's very <laughs> concerned about like that, but yes, um, but just you know, like conversations we had had or places we had been or something like that, and that maybe other people didn't know about um, stuff like that. Yeah. I love cereal. To me, cereal is a hyperfixation food that I remember exists every couple of months and then I eat it for every meal for like two weeks. I love it. Gwyneth Paltrow probably hates it because cereal is notoriously bad for you, especially children's cereal. It's filled with sugar. But Magic Spoon enters the picture. It's cereal that has amazing flavors you love, but without all the bad stuff. Here's a bit about it. They have zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. It's only 140 calories a serving. It is keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. It also comes in a variety pack, which is like nostalgic children's flavors. We have four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. So go to magicspoon.com slash fluentlyforward to grab a variety pack and try it out today. Be sure to use the promo code fluentlyforward, it's all one word, at checkout and you can save $5 off your order. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring this episode. Oh, one last question that people said. Have you ever been threatened by a celebrity or their team? Is there ever like one person in particular that gets like really litigious or just angry about certain blinds versus people who don't care at all? Um, well, I've said before, like Mariah, I will get a cease and desist from the, her, her all day long. Mm. Um, anytime I mention her name, the just it comes and it just comes as part of the territory. I don't really care. The as far as I've had publicists yell at me and stuff, but th- that was a long time ago when they thought they could, could control me. It was it was so interesting. I was just talking about somebody this the other day. Is I used to when I was first starting out, and I guess it was be the equivalent of being an influencer. Is that I would get invited to I don't know uh, record release parties, screenings, um, advanced screenings, intimate little parties and stuff. And I would give those away to the readers. Mm-hmm. I would say there was one that comes to mind. Katy Perry had just, I think I kissed a girl had just barely come out and her publicist was holding this thing at their office. And they said, Oh, you can bring like as many people as you want. So I had two or three readers who lived in New York. I said, here, you guys go. And, and I, but I want you to write about it individually. And I want to see how it looks come from three different opinions or whatever. And I think that was such a cool opportunity. And there was a lot of other things like that that were for the readers. Um, movies and stuff. And then at some point, uh, it got so bad that one of my guys who used to go review things, he got kicked out of an advanced screening because they found out that he worked for for crazy days and nights. And ever since then, don't get invited to free stuff anymore or those kind of opportunities. But then also at the same time, the publicist realized, well, I can't threaten him. So I'm just not going to bother. Yeah. So I, I really don't get anything like that. The most, but I did get a recent example was a couple of months ago, I wrote um, a blind about um, camera voice and his last movie runt and how it was really um, bad. And there was like some rich people who were funding it and things like that. And they didn't enjoy it. And they wanted to have him kiss her. And he did, didn't feel comfortable because she was like 15 and he was, you know, way over 18. And then so I wrote that and nothing really happened. I just wrote it. And then like uh, I guess a couple weeks ago, somebody 
followed up and they said, well, you know, this family that, that did that, they've ingratiated themselves and they put themselves on the board of the foundation. Mm-hmm. And how's that, you know? And so I wrote that. And then I revealed it on the 24th of March. And probably the 26th, I got a letter from the lawyer, um, from the, the rich people. Mm-hmm. But it was nice. It was, it was completely different than a normal cease and desist. It said, hey, um, we know where you got this. You know, yes, you can leave it up, but you know, things have changed and we'd really appreciate it if you took it down just because we're trying to deal with this person. And so, so I'll probably take it down. But what was interesting, which has never, ever, ever, ever happened is later that day or the next day, I got a very long email from the director of Runt. Oh, and, my God. and he was like, look, yes, all this bad things happen. And it was kind of contradicted everything in the lawyer's letter. Yes, all this bad <laughs> stuff happened. And yes, it was a horrible. Yes, this. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. But at the end of the day, you know, just let his family kind of do what they want. And, you know, we don't need to bring in. And so he wanted me to I don't think he actually asked me to take it down. But he was like, maybe maybe it should leave. So that way it's not a reminder. Mm. And. And that's fine. I'm okay with that. I, you know, it's already been revealed. I don't care. And I, I don't want to hurt the family at all. But it's different. It's crazy to me that the big, big one where I wrote all about how this all came to be, they didn't care about that. But it's this particular one where yeah. it's talking about the funding of the foundation, the people on the board that I get the letter from the lawyer and the letter from a director, you know, yeah. so... Yeah, everybody's very plugged in to the website. Also, to get it so immediately, there must be people who are checking it every day. And you have mentioned before, too, that um, different celebrities or PR teams will write in to try to correct a blind or say that it isn't true. And in giving their side of the story to prove something, they kind of give you another blind in its own right, um, which I think is just so funny. Yeah, and also you'll see, it'll just be kind of random things where... um, you you'll do a blind or something and it won't even be that big of a deal. Like I said, the ones during the week, most of the time aren't that big of a deal. And somebody go, well, yeah, we announced that we're getting a divorce or something like that. And you think, well, is it because I wrote about it as a blind two days ago? And that's why kind of thing. Um, And as I've said to you, I think, and I've also said to do, I just, you know, the person that kills me is busy Phillips because she's not married any longer (laughs) and it's just killing me. So and I will, well, I will die on my grave for that. And that is funny when people announce divorces. I feel like people don't realize, you know, nobody decides that they're getting a divorce and then they announce it the same day. When when people announce a divorce, it's probably something that it could have been decided a year ago, six months ago. Um, so I always find the announcing of it. I always just try to look at it as like, what is the advantage, you know? And I think celebrities play to that game, like Kim Kardashian apologizing for her comment about how women need to get off their fucking ass and work. Doing that the day after the Oscars, like chef's kiss, because you know nobody's going to care. They're going to be talking about the Oscars. I think the and same the thing, thing with announcing divorces. Lied. She lied in she, that. Yes. And they called the Vanity, what was it, Vanity Fair? The editors called her out. They were like, that wasn't taken out of context at all. We literally asked you the question you're saying. We asked first. That came after. I know. It's it, just it was a liar. like, it's like, here's the question. Okay. Here's my answer. There was no out of context. And that's what everybody always says. Oh, it's taken mm-hmm. out of context. And, and to me, that just, uh, just so every, that it's so directed and, and just think about all the people that work so, so hard that are working for jobs. And I'm sorry that they didn't have a sex tape. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I have never, I have never said that that Kim Kardashian doesn't have a work ethic. I might have six million problems with her, but her having a work ethic is not one of them. And she she works, so I get it. I get what she's saying, but it was just it's so tone deaf and so wrong. And there's so many people that work three and four jobs. And you know, if you think about you, you're doing the podcast, you have your regular job, you're doing the other things. I I work like four jobs, so mm-hmm. it, you know to say that get off your ass and work you know yeah like she has a work ethic but just not a sense of reality it's the same thing as when someone who's naturally skinny with a great metabolism goes well you just got to eat right and work out like yeah it's it's easy to maintain your weight because you're already skinny you know what i mean like so many people just do not understand what it's like for people with different experiences it's just so i don't know it's probably just a symptom of narcissism right thinking that your lifestyle is the same as everyone else's lifestyle when it's not Oh, she's gonna hate me, and she's probably gonna unfollow me from TikTok. But, but um, <laughs> she follows you on TikTok. No, no, there's somebody else I was gonna oh. talk about. But and so I'll, what I'll do is I won't even mention her name. However, okay. she is. Um, I mean, there's not that many people I follow on TikTok, and she's one of them. So she um, is very wealthy, um, mm-hmm. and it's not um, Barbie Bunny or whatever. So I don't want her to be brought into this. I love but Barbie some, Bunny, but yeah. yeah so so, so she and I are mutuals, but it's not about her. So I want, uh, so it's about somebody who's very wealthy and she doesn't have any kids and her husband is a showrunner. So he's busy a lot of the time. So she can do all these things and has a trainer and has all these things and, you know, has people who can cook for her, or at least buy all the, the, the ingredients for her and do all these kind of things. And so she can say, yes, I had my 10,000 steps before seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah, because you didn't have to get anybody up. You didn't have to go take a subway to go to work and all this kind of stuff and all these things that intrude on real life. And it's so and I like her. And and the reason I never really go after is because she has overcome a lot. And so I, I give her a break. But it's kind of so I'm kind of encapsulating her with all of these people that do this, who are celebrities, who have trainers, who don't have any other responsibilities, or if they do have a kid, they have a nanny or three nannies. And it just, and they say, well, look, I'm skinny. I'm healthy. Look, I've got all this wonderful skin and all of this. How come you don't? Well, you know, because I worked five jobs to to keep my family, you know, on a roof and the rent and all this. And it's just yeah. so unrealistic. And I think it gives people just, you know, as a, as a guy, it's a totally different kind of perspective, but I would imagine that as a woman, it just, when you see that you go, well, I I guess I can do that. And it's just so unrealistic to even think that it's possible to attain that and have any kind of normal life. Oh my God. Yeah. The, the reality, I mean, people just live in different realities and I think obviously I'm sure you've been asked about this so much, but I do want to ask about the Oscars briefly, but to me, the Oscars is just such an event of like privileged people circle jerking each other. And what I found crazy was... That's a good way to put it. <laughs> I know that's kind of what it is. And then there's a statue that you get. Um, so many people were upset. Obviously, the Kevin Rock joke aside, so many people were upset by the seat filler jokes, other little tiny jokes. They were like... To me, I just was so surprised by the reaction. I think this was the first time people were like, those jokes went too far at the Oscars. And growing up for me, the Oscars was always a roast of the rich, famous, and privileged because they're rich, famous, and privileged. Do you think that people are becoming more sympathetic towards celebrities or like forgetting just how privileged and out of touch they are? I mean, especially the ones that are invited to the Oscars. Those are the the elites of the elite. 
Yes, you know, those are like the like rubbing elbows with Harvey Weinstein. Like you don't get to the Oscars just by like pulling up your bootstraps, you know? No, you know, yeah. it's different. The SAG Awards, because they have so many ensemble things, there's a bunch of like C-listers. And I mean, it's just everybody can kind of go. And then that kind of narrows it down all the way to say um, the Oscars or even something like the Producers Guild Awards, which is very elitist. But yeah, I here, Amy Schumer had, I saw you did the TikTok on the Amy Schumer thing. Yeah. Amy Schumer had done that joke. She has it in her act, you yeah. know, when she goes to places to do it. Kirsten Dunst, as you said, the point is that She's famous. She She's a, rich. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she can't be a huge star if you're going to confuse her with the seat filler kind of thing. Yeah. Kirsten is a lovely person. And even if she didn't know that it was a setup bit, which it was set up uh, ahead of time, she would have been perfectly fine with it because she's Kirsten Dunst. And we've been making fun of Kirsten Dunst ever since she used to stumble drunk out of places all the time. <laughs> so we're happy to do that. She's happy to do that. And I think what you need is somebody, well, like Ricky Gervais, after the show yes. in his stand-up, he did the 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 Chris Rock joke again. And he he did all of that. And he did some of the other jokes. I mean, Kevin Hart was fired from the Oscars because of some offensive tweets. Hello. <laughs> Lucky for me, the Hollywood foreign press can barely speak English. And they've no idea what Twitter is. So I got offered this gig by fax. So let's go out with a bang. Let's have a laugh at your expense, shall we? Remember, they're just jokes. We're all gonna die soon and there's no sequel. And he just let people have it. Now, I think that maybe they were expecting from Ricky Gervais that it was going to be like that. So, mm. oh, you know, he's doing it. I, are we so, why do we care with the, with the people at the Academy Awards if, 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 if there's jokes at their expense? I just... I know. I find it crazy. And I, I think now it's, spur I mean, obviously what happened with Will Smith is spurring all of these think pieces. A lot of people were surprised from it. Um you know, having read blind items and also um, a recap from Celebrity Memoir Book Club of his own memoir where he details how, like, the absolutely bonkers things that he's done, I was kind of like, yeah, I view Will Smith as, like, a powder keg ready to go off. Is that something that you saw coming? Not that anyone saw it coming, but did you kind of expect that? I mean, I don't think anybody saw that one coming. Yeah. Um, what I am fascinated, this goes back to our bots thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know that it's going to be a few days before this airs. And so maybe things will have changed. However, uh, if you go on to most websites, they they make it seem like Will Smith's a victim in all of this. And I don't see how in any shape of the world that he's a victim. Now, you could say Jada is a victim. Yeah. Jada could very well be a victim. That's fine. You know, with her alopecia and everything, she can be the victim. She is allowed to be the victim in this. Will Smith is not allowed to be the victim in this. At least that is how I feel. Now, again, going back to the bots, it, Chris Rock is like, wh where's Chris Rock and all this? He's the one that was hit. Mm -hmm. But if you see somebody like, okay, so Zoe Kravitz, yes. So she said, yes. oh, you know, and she <laughs> just got slammed on a trash. Look, you're a sexual predator. This is what you get for going after Will Smith. Jennifer Aniston going after Will Smith. Look, Jennifer Aniston, you're a horrible human. This is all the things we know about you. So it feels like this bot army is just, if you come out and say anything anti-Will Smith, they're going to jump down on you. But if you say something pro-Chris Rock, there's nothing out there that's pro-Chris Rock other than people buying tickets to his shows now. It's and insane. Like, everyone wants us to be so divided. And I got really 
upset about that Zoe Kravitz thing because it honestly, it just seems so fucked up that like she said that, what, seven years ago? And what, you're just like keeping it away in your arsenal and you're like fucked up folder on your desktop waiting for her to say something that you don't like and then you whip it out and like now you get to say she's a predator if it's a problem deal with it when the quote happened if you're gonna drudge something up from five years ago because suddenly you don't like one thing she said because you don't agree with it yourself like I'm sorry that's like weird that's like really manipulative and weird like if someone does something cancel worthy address it in the moment don't hold on to it for a rainy day when you want to bring them down after they've soared higher like I find that so weird yeah and I I just, I, that's, I just, I don't understand the whole Will Smith victim thing. That's the part that I don't get. And, and I just, Chris Rock, he's still, as of today, he has not been personally apologized to by Will Smith. Like Will Smith did an Instagram thing, but he didn't pick up the phone and say, look, maybe I handled this wrong. And maybe Chris Rock should have said, Hey, you know, back in 2016, maybe I shouldn't have had the horrible joke about your, your wife and mm-hmm. how she wasn't, you know, she didn't need to boycott the Oscars because she was never going to get invited to the Oscars, you know, that kind of thing. And then they've yeah. had a little bit of spats in between, but to go from a joke, which was a bad joke, a horrible joke to just getting up and slapping somebody. Now, mind you, again, when we, when we're recording this, they're not going to take away his Oscar. So don't ever think that mm-hmm. the Harvey still has his, so if yeah. Harvey still has his, <laughs> um, they're not going to take away Will's. Yeah. And, and, but, and the thing is they could, because you do not own the Oscar. You were just merely the caretaker of it. Mm. So it's very clear because you're not allowed to sell it. You know, back in the day you could sell the Oscars before ah. a certain year, they were yours. So now, those can go up for auction and the Oscars, they will, the Academy will try and bid higher than everybody else to get it. But you are allowed to do with it whatever you want, but after a certain year, you're not allowed to sell it and or anything like that. And if you're going to, it needs to revert back to the academy. So you can keep passing it down the line to your, you know, offspring and their kids and grandkids and stuff, but nobody's allowed to sell it because it doesn't actually belong to you. So, you know, Interesting. yeah, well, so they could take it back. Of, uh, you know, awards being given and things like that. I, I think, you you have her in blinds about the situation. It, moving from the Oscars to the Grammys, a lot of people had questions about Grammy Gate, which is this whole idea of Taylor Swift saying that Joe Alwyn was a like co-writer and producer and piano player and singer, and she gave him enough credits on her album, I think it's seven, so that way he was able to get a Grammy. And it threw a lot of people because he said in interviews before, I don't have any musical talent, not a musical bone in my body. Um, And in the long pond sessions where Taylor Swift is talking about uh, these songs being written, she's like, you know, I just walked into the room and there Joe was playing the piano and singing the entire chorus to Betty. And um, what was his name? Jack Antonoff is like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Lyrics too, huh? He like sang the whole thing. What are your thoughts on Grammygate and Joe Alwyn suddenly being, um, you know, this like magnificent songwriter that nobody knew about? I mean, it was such a setup. I mean, just like you said, he had to get over seven because Mm -hmm. you have to have more than two thirds. So all of a sudden, oh, exactly seven. He gets a Grammy. (laughs) And I wonder, like Jack Antonoff and stuff, how he truly feels about it. Maybe he's okay with it. Uh, but it kind of lessens his accomplishments on it. If you think that Joe yeah, went all pissed. Those, yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time, Jack kind of knows where he, he he's kind of in a in a catch twenty two because he can't do anything because Taylor's his Taylor's the one who made him. 
Yeah. And Taylor is his bread and butter. And if she says, you guys, nobody's allowed to work with Jack Antonoff anymore, then, you know, you're, he's going to be kind of screwed. Mm-hmm. And, but I, the Grammys have such a problem that that's one of the least kind of things. Who's, who's the other one? Um, I think it was Jamel Jamil or whatever. She also, oh, well, you know, I contributed. So, you know, he wanted to go ahead and give me credit and everything and songwriting credit because I suggested one word kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The Grammys are so uh, messed up when it comes to songwriting credits. And there's so many people. At, and I think you've talked about this too, but like Dua Lipa firing her manager and stuff because he wanted so much songwriting credit that the songwriters were, we're not going to give you our best songs anymore because you yeah, can't backfired, take backfired, right? They yeah, were like, we're not going to write for you anymore. Yeah. You can't take every bit of our credit. I mean, come on, this is our, this is our life. This is something we need to have some kind of royalties. And, and so, yeah. and, you know, Dua said, they said, you're not going to get any more songs. So she had to fire the manager. So that way she can get something. The Grammys have off always been, um, if there's not somebody in a category, they'll put somebody in a category. Oh, you need to, do you have a nomination? Oh, we'll put you in a nomination. And then they've said that they've changed that whole process, but they haven't. In fact, they, they wanted to make sure that everything was diversified and stuff, which is fine. But what the, one of the things you can do is if you have somebody finishing sixth, just include seven names in there or something, instead of taking somebody artificially out mm. and then p- putting somebody in because you're saying that it's for diversity or whatever, which, which is great. But how do we know that, you know, your other, that it is truly because of that? Or maybe it's because we don't know what the original results were and they just manipulate everything. And they used to be the one of the ones that you could count on to be um, legit. You yeah, know, like nobody ego. trusts any award show now or I feel like it doesn't really have any meaning. Like everybody knows that certain awards are bought off or paid off or the whole like Me Too movement, right? Like some people can secure you one of these Oscars. I feel like everyone's getting kind of disillusioned with it, right? Well, yeah, it used to be that the EGOT, so your Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony, <clears throat> they had an accounting service that would tabulate the votes. So you felt like, okay, those are legit. Unlike People's Choice, MTV, everything else who are just, can you come to the show? Great. Here you get to win. Um, and yeah, so everything else was fake. So now we've kind of realized, okay, the Grammys are very suspect. So the final tabulations, the very final tabulations might be subject to an accounting firm, but everything prior to that is all suspect and you shouldn't trust them. Yeah. So then the Oscars, which are supposedly locked on everybody. Okay. It's great. Here's where I think that there are some holes in the Oscar stuff is that Kristen Stewart came to the Oscars knowing she wasn't going to win, mm-hmm. 100%. Because is that she why walked, she wore shorts? Well, yeah, she wore shorts, number one. <laughs> and number two, she left the red carpet, took off her heels, gave them to her stylist, who left, who completely left. So if Kristen had one, she was going to go up in her, her ratty flats, up onto, <laughs> onto the thing. She knew she was not going to win. Uh. And the other thing is that Jessica Chastain, who has never been... Um, thirsty for anything, really. She just went all in on Tammy Faye. Now, she didn't win really any of the other awards, any of them, but she went all in and I'm going to win the, this Oscar. Yeah. Just boom. Even though she's going against Olivia Coleman, Penelope Cruz, I'm going to go all in. And she was just, and, and people I don't think realize that after the nominations come out, you don't vote. There's You vote on a four or five day period um, in the 10 days prior to the awards. So even though the nominations came out say six weeks ago or two months ago, you don't actually vote until about 10 days before the awards. And yeah, there's a four or five day window. 
So, mm-hmm. so you, you just focus on that. And that's why people didn't think that Jane Campion would win because she said those remarks about Venus and Serena literally two days before the people started voting. Mm. And so I was like, I don't know if she can, you know, this is looks bad at this point. So Jessica was just full on and it looked like she was going to, she was going to win. And then a couple of days before the Oscars, somebody said, well, maybe Penelope Cruz is, is sneaking in on here. And Jessica Chastain just went ballistic on her publicity of people and said, as much time and effort as I put into this, you guys are all fired if I lose. And then on came Sunday, she was super happy before the awards. So I feel like she knew that she was going to win. Well, her PR has been so ramped up. You know, when I saw that clipping with my face on it, I thought for a second that you were proud of me. Oh, Tammy Faye, you follow blindly. In the end, all you are is blind. I do not, like, ever search her name. She's come across TikTok. She's been in all of these, like, interviews. Um, Also, the rumor that her and Sarah Paulson hooked up. I love that. Um, I love that idea. Um, I will say (laughs) this, that as somebody... Who knows, Sarah? I would say that's a big no. Really? Oh, I was kind of rooting for them. I just like always want girls to be hooking up with each other, even though it's even though it's cheating. So I guess I should be saying nay, nay. Well, no, I'm I'm not sure that that Sarah and Holland necessarily have this kind of monogamous thing. And I think that if Sarah were to to go to something, you know, I think that Sarah is America's greatest actress Mm. um, when it comes to television. And I... I just I feel that way. I think that the movies maybe because she doesn't do it, there's a lot of but just to have Sarah Paulson and if nobody's ever seen it, go see um uh American Horror Show. No, Studio um 60 on the Sunset Strip. Mm. Um if you've never watched that, it's basically a show about kind of like Saturday Night Live. And mm-hmm. she's in it, Matthew Perry's in it, um Amanda Peet's in it, so many people and Sarah Paulson in this show sings, dances, plays 25 different characters. Oh. And then, then you take all the Ryan Murphy stuff she's done, just the range that Sarah has to play all of these different roles that anybody wants to put her in. Um, yeah, I saw Bradley a tweet Whitford's once that show. was like, a, we like Sarah Paulson so much that we forget that she was in the Imagine music video that the celebrities put together during COVID. <laughs> I was like, well, that sums it up. Everyone that loves does. Her. That is perfect. Um, that is perfect. There was, I did want to ask you, a couple of people wrote in about this, and I'm also curious myself. A lot of people were like, why does NT hate Meghan Markle? Why do people hate Meghan Markle? Um, or all is, you know, is hatred for her racist or things like that? I'm curious to know your take, but I have a take of my own, which is um, I think, you know, most people got to know Meghan Markle, obviously, when she married Prince Harry and was involved with the royal family. And I think especially over with British media, there were a bunch of racist headlines about her. You cannot deny that, like, she was treated very differently than Kate Middleton was. But I have been reading Blinds for a long time. And I think it's interesting that blind item websites and, you know, folks that I follow who, like, work in the tabloid industry and kind of know the inner circle – They have been talking about her negatively, or maybe not like, you know, with hatred, but as a yachter, as a social climber for a very long time. So I think that when people read negative blind items about Meghan Markle, they kind of view it, oh, the tabloids are being racist and that's why they say something bad about her. And they view it the same way with the blind items where they're like, if there's a blind item that's negative, it must be due to racism. When I think the blind items have kind of always been the same about her for the last like 10 years, kind of before this tabloid culture existed, what would you say about Meghan Markle? Because I think she's, at least in the blind, she's always kind of had the same narrative. 
Yeah, was, my my negativity towards her comes just from hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. And the and I have in the last in the last month, I defended her in one thing. I didn't think that her half sister had any kind of case and was just doing it to be a hassle to Megan. And I don't think that Megan deserved that lawsuit um, at yeah, all. Her family stuff is very, very messy. Yeah. So, yeah. I, and I totally, 100%, I was just like, Megan, as much as I might dislike, she doesn't deserve this. And I hope that the, the, the half-sister gets beat and just has to pay Megan's legal fees and all that kind of stuff because it was just, it's a ridiculous lawsuit. And, if, and as an attorney, I would never file that lawsuit because I, it was just so ridiculous. Mm. Now, as far as the hypocrisy stuff, it, it just, it's like this. She's, she's no different than, than anybody else. I just feel as if, and I'm nice, I shouldn't say it like that. Let's say you're on deal or no deal and you want to, you want to make it and you're going to do things and you're going to, you know, do what you can and hustle and all that kind of stuff. And whatever I can do to do it, I'm going to do it. That's great. But just be yourself and and say it rather than all of a sudden, you know, you're on suits and the people on suits they're kind of like the people that were in Riverdale, the first season of Riverdale when they're mm-hmm. filming and nobody knows who they are. Everybody from Riverdale is super nice. and They're talking to fans and, oh my gosh, we have fans and all this kind of stuff. Suits is the same way. The first season, everybody's super nice and everything. And as soon as they become famous, it's like, I'm not going to pose with any fans that are waiting for here, you know, because they're in Toronto and we're not going to pose. No, 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 no. We're far too famous. Well, you're on USA cable channel and you get like a one share, you know, nobody knows who you are other than the people that are coming to take your pictures. Mm. But she's always she, a little social climbing, but she's always thought that she was, she was better than everybody else. There's been talk about yachting and stuff and everything. And I'm okay with that. As long as you just own it, there used to be this website called tag the sponsor. Yes. And, yes, and, I remember. and you know, and it's just, here's the thing, go be your Instagram self go do what you want to do to get the bag or whatever, but tag the sponsor. Don't make it seem as if all of a sudden you're able to afford a $25,000 flight to Dubai when you don't have a job, mm. you know? So tag the sponsor. And it's the same kind of thing with, with Megan. And I think it's very hypocritical of her. Um, and maybe it's lately, I feel like I've been dragging Harry way more than Megan. Yeah. Is, yeah. Because let's say this Prince Philip Memorial. Okay. Let's pretend that their story makes sense where, Nobody's going to pay for their security. So with our tens upon tens of millions of dollars, we can't afford the 100000 or $200,000 for the security. We want the government to pay for it. So that's the reason we're not going to come. Okay, fine. I'm going to give you that all day long. Fine. Megan, you and the kids stay home. Why can't Harry come? Why can't Harry come? Why can't Harry go honor his grandfather? I don't get that at all. Just go. And and I, you know, and, and there's all these little things that they try and release. Don't forget that they, somebody, it was the tabloids, multiple ones. Oh, Megan and Harry are going to do present the best picture at the Oscars. And like, no, they're not. It, that, yeah. That's just not going to happen. But they they send that stuff out and everybody starts writing and the, oh my gosh, this will be so wonderful. And the, why would the Oscars do that? What is their connection to the movie industry that that is, you know, the case? Well, and I think they obviously want it, right, too. Didn't they say like, <laughs> oh, we're moving back. You know, we want to take a step out of the spotlight before they even move back uh, or sorry, away from England. Aren't they like setting up deals to like try to get Megan to be a voice actor Netflix deals? They had all of these things in the work. It's like, well, you're obviously lying. It's like you said, like, just be honest. Just be honest. And th- yeah. I think that that would be a whole lot. The Spotify thing was just, okay, they signed yeah, their, this. Yeah, their podcast deal. What happened with that yeah. again? Well, they did one holiday episode. And now supposedly, I guess there's going to be, um, Megan's going to do a, a several episodes about um, 
things that that hold women back and and stereotypical kind of things. And I don't know enough to to say it. I've seen the blurbs about it. Okay. And I'm sure she'll have people on there that are millionaires. She'll probably have Oprah on there, <laughs> and then she'll have Kim Kardashian on there yes. saying, "All you got to do is just work. All you got to yes. do is work." You know, it's funny. It, I, I saw them uh, written up too, where it was like Megan and Harry have like done so much good for the world. They have donated so much, especially me too, with a nonprofit background. I'm like, sorry, like what did I miss? Like, what have they done? And the good for the world that they've done is like, give a soundbite in an interview about how like, we need to help more. And then it's like, see, we are an advocate for everyone. And I'm like, no, sorry. Like you, you could be doing a lot. I just haven't seen, I haven't, have you started like a charity? You know, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like Megan and Harry talk the talk and do not walk the walk. Yeah, here's the thing. If they had got married, let's say she goes, you know what? I can't I can't live here. I can't live under the scrutiny. Um, I feel like the royal family is racist, which they are. Um, mm, I'm, not, yes. I'm not saying that they're not racist. They are racist. Is that if they had said, you know, we're not going to do this. Let's go to Africa, where Harry said he always wanted to go live. And let's go to Africa. Let's go, you know, get on the you know feet on the ground. Let's work with a bunch of NGOs and let's make life better for whatever country, whatever people, whatever nation we go to. Let's just go there and we will just be ambassadors in these African countries. And I think people would go, oh, my God, they are wonderful people. They are amazing people. They did exactly what they're doing. They're using. I wouldn't care if they use the title. I wouldn't care if they raise money under HRH. I wouldn't care about any of that. Just whatever you're doing there, fantastic. Instead, they go to Canada. They live in a Russian oligarch's house for free. And and then they said, well, you know, that's Vancouver and everything. Okay, well, we stayed here long enough to at least get our cover story straight. Great. Let's go down to L.A. And then, <laughs> and, so then Montes- and then Montecito is, you know, for those of you who don't know, Montecito is like Santa Barbara. Yes, there's a lot of rich people there. Like Ellen lives there. Rob Lowe lives there. Oprah lives there. But it is not convenient if you want to be in Los Angeles. It is a weekend kind of place, unless you have helicopters or a private jet from Santa Barbara down to Van Nuys. It is not very practical at all. So I think that they want to move closer to L.A. so that way they can really take advantage of of the industry, which is really difficult in Montecito. Oh, definitely. I I think if their plan happens, I think it's going to be more than a podcast. I think Meghan Markle will like voice a Disney princess coming up or something like that. It's just like, I just see it. I would be remiss if I did not ask you about Jeffrey Epstein because it's just my personal obsession. You were talking a lot about the Ghislaine Maxwell trial. For those who don't know, the trial, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, but the trial came to a verdict Um, But then it came out that one of the jurors had, you know, lied about one of those like pre-interview questions. I'm like saying it wrong, saying that um, he didn't have any experiences with sexual assault where he did. Um, So obviously, if people had known, he would not have been on the case. So now it's thrown everything into a rigmarole and we don't know where it's going to end up. Two questions for you. One, do you think Epstein is still alive? And two, what do you think is going to happen with Ghislaine Maxwell? Like, Everyone's forgotten about this case now. Well, I mean, <clears throat> Epstein's deader than dead. Um, <laughs> the And I mean, I talk about it to obviously the people on my podcast or whatever, mm-hmm. because I, I'm, I don't want it to, to not be talked about. But I think you're right. Once the trial ended, then, oh, then everybody just assumed, OK, well, she was found guilty. Yeah, she was found guilty. But as you said, there was this juror and nobody would have found out if the juror hadn't been thirsty. So... Do you this, think the juror was planted? 
I do not think the juror was planted. Okay. Um, however, I think that, uh, yeah, I don't think the juror was planted. That is a good question, though. I, I, I like that. But it seems like there was more than one juror. And this mm. would, to be planted like that, you would have to have the, not saying you couldn't plant the juror, but you'd have to have the right circumstances where the juror's testimony would actually make the difference and sway everybody. And then would you want that? Let's say, let's say it was a plant. Okay. Let's say Ghislaine's people planted the juror. Would you rather have the juror go in and not say anything and see how it's going and, and try and get the acquittal? Or do you want your plant to try and swing everybody to make her guilty and then have this long shot chance that the judge will order a new trial? But do you I think just, even the best plant, like Ghislaine Maxwell was so obviously guilty. I feel like people knew that no matter what, she was going to be guilty. So the option of like having the false juror, I think even if you had the smoothest talker in the world, he wouldn't be able to convince people that she was innocent. Like everybody just knows, you know? I agree. And here's... I, the circumstances where he ended up having to be thirsty and for everybody who doesn't know. So what happened was the, the jury convicted Ghislaine. And then after the, the jury convicted her, several of the jurors gave interviews. One of the jurors said, yeah, you know, I'm a sexual assault victim and everything. And so I stood up and they were having trouble wrapping their heads about memories that you couldn't remember and all uh -huh. of this kind of stuff, because one of the witnesses had testified to, uh, you know, repressed memories and stuff. So I told them, hey, no, look, this is how it goes. And I had all these memories. And so I swayed them. I convinced them. And these are the words that he used in the interview. I swayed them. I convinced them they weren't going to find her guilty until I said all of this. And then they found her guilty. Okay. Were they really not going to find her guilty until he said that thing about memories? I'm just like, what the fuck is going on with the jurors <laughs> then? Like, what? But this is where if you want to talk about a plant, then the language that he used in the interview would, okay, if I was going to plant somebody, here's what you need to do. You have to lie in your form. Mm. You can't do that. Then you have to do this because here's the thing. If he had lied on his form, but didn't actually say any of this or try and convince the jury, nobody, first of all, would have found out if he hadn't been thirsty and gone to the reporters, nobody would have found out. Yeah. And you, if you, if you have been sexually assaulted and, you know, whenever there's a trial or anything, you want to bring your personal experiences into it. It is a jury of your peers. There's nothing wrong with that. If he had been sexually assaulted and, and marked that on the form, he could talk until he was blue in the face about being sexually assaulted, being molested, all repressed memories, all this kind of stuff. It was the fact that he didn't include it in the form and the form is under penalty of perjury. So he finally testified, but the only way he would testify to what his experiences were is if he was given immunity from prosecution. So the, the judge let him um, speak and now the judge has, who, by the way, has been promoted now to the U.S. Appeals Court, but yep. will still handle this particular criminal trial, you know, is going to decide, and they sh she should have already decided, um, what's going to happen. Is there going to be a new trial? And she knows that if she doesn't, then the appeals court will probably toss it. And what's also happened in the meantime is that a couple of the witnesses have also gone on television and talked to the point where probably the prosecution's best witness is not going to be a best is not going to be a witness the second time around. And I find it if, if you wanted a plant and that was your idea is to destroy this for any kind of second trial, then you have done an amazing job because the second yeah. trial will be far worse than the first. And if you thought they can't that, use the same witnesses in the second trial, you mean, well, you can, but the problem is, is that they sold themselves out to TV and everything. And I just, 
they have so many kind of conflicts now I'm that I don't think a, the jury would Like right now, that. I think Ghislaine Maxwell is going to slip away like the slippery little eel she is. <sighs> and like, I think she is. I just like have no hope for like us getting justice for this situation. Even like everyone was kind of paying attention. I love how True Anon, their podcast was covering it. Um, and even for me, who's obsessed with the case, it's just like it's who is following up on it? No one. We're all busy talking about Kim Kardashian's latest quote and somebody getting slapped at the Oscars. Yeah. I mean, I Trunon did it almost every day. I did it every day. Um, yeah. But if you think about it, n- not that many people did. I mean, the New York Times, but they kind of had to. It was in New York. But they covered the fluff piece. You know, yes, they were they like, oh, my God, like the, the sketch artist was drawing the other sketch artist. <laughs> and it's like, talk about who was in the black book, who was on the plane, who profited from this, who is still profiting from it. Like, oh, and okay. I, but I also think that they've given up on like Sarah Kellen, who yeah. I, I don't understand why she is still running around. To me, you know, the Ghislaine stuff focused on the years 1994 to 1997 and a little bit after that, that was her focus. Sarah Kellen was a victim turned procurer who has uh, probably, I would say, more likely than not slept with Bill Clinton. I was just going to say slept with <laughs> Bill Clinton. Yeah. Um, and that's a more likely than not, and was basically her, his companion on all things Epstein. And she was legal at the time. I want to make that clear. Um, but and then she's had six or seven different last names. She's married to a former NASCAR driver named she's Kevin dyed Harvick. Her hair a bunch, I think, yeah. right to change how she, she looks. Yeah. And then she manages a building that is um, is it Epstein owned? I can't remember. It, it was but, a it was a rental property, right? That um, yeah, she manages a building, and it's got various uh, like Ivanka Trump's jewelry businesses in it, and um, there was a swimsuit line that was in it, and the swimsuit line was very problematic because it was owned by friends of Jean Luc Bernal, and they used models that he found from South America and stuff, and then that's how they ended up in New York, and then could be so anyway. Um, well, I have another law-related question for you. Um, the Amber Heard-Johnny Depp case, I know that they're, like, calling different witnesses in. I was reading some articles saying that, like, Elon Musk, James Franco, all these people have to come. This case has been going on for four years. Do you think—I think that they're both just, like, so ego-driven. They will not rest until one person is the, you know, winner and one person is the loser. Do you think this case will go on for another four years, or do you think it's going to get, like, settled? Well, there's a trial this year. There's a trial this summer. So, okay. and that's definitely going to happen, you think? That's de- well, I think Johnny Depp should bail on this thing. He's the only one who can bail at this point. Mm-hmm. There's no way that he can win um at all period end of story. Uh he was found in a, a British courtroom guilty of being a wife beater. So, he oh, is wait, a wife I, beater. I must have been reading the wrong stuff. I thought that the, I've been reading stuff about how Amber Heard was like crazy and she had she faked uh, scratch. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. She is. Oh, 100%. Okay. But uh, but the thing is, is that that wasn't what the case was about. But during the testimony, yes, it was revealed, you know, all these things about Amber. But the, the point of it was the Johnny Depp suit saying um, that I'm not a wife beater, but the final result in court was, yes, you are a wife beater. So from now on, there is a court ruling in England, mm-hmm. which has stronger defamation laws that says Johnny Depp is a wife beater. So you you can change your your profiles to say Johnny Depp's a wife beater. He could sue you, but he will automatically lose. So Amber, who didn't, by the way, even mention Johnny Depp by name in the mm-hmm. article that she wrote in the Washington Post, who has long think- been... 
it's obvious that she was, you know, people sure. can figure it out. Sure. Yeah, okay. obviously. Um, and that's one of the things blind items, people assume, oh, well, you know, if you don't name a name, then they can't sue you. Absolutely, they can't. Flowering Financial Institution, <laughs> everybody knows is Azalea Banks. So yeah. that's not, you know, just because I call her that, I don't have any deniability, really. So, um, but yeah, so Amber's not a nice person. And here's the thing, is that the people at DC, they don't want their Aquaman star to be on television. And this trial, by the way, you guys, is on national television. The court mm. already allowed television cameras. So if Elon Musk does testify, television. Do you think Elon Musk wants his drugs and all that kind of stuff? Because that's the part that's coming out. It's not Elon Musk, Tesla engineer, or Elon Musk, you know, space guy. It's going to be Elon Musk. Yeah, I gave a bunch of money to Amber. She used to, you know, blow me for blow and all this kind of stuff. That's what's going to come out. James that's Franco. That's a great campaign. Blow me for blow. <laughs> I know. Um, James Franco. Oh, what were you doing? Well, you know, she pretended that she was beaten and then I came over and then you see us in the elevator and then we went into her, par her apartment and had sex all night. Oh, okay. You know well, what I've heard too is I've been talking a lot about Amber Heard and Elon Musk because I'm just fascinated about who Elon Musk is fucking and like how he's able to do it because I just picture him as so distinctly not a sexual person. Someone <laughs> knows someone, this is all alleged, who knows someone who, you know, happened to be close to Elon Musk at one time and maybe potentially work for him. And they said both of them were insane that Amber Heard knew where Elon Musk had cameras all throughout his house. And she would turn her crazy on and off based on if a camera was pointing. So if it was in a room, she would be like very nice, then move to another room and then like unload on Elon. And that he was just as crazy. And he would put like cameras and bouquets of flowers, have people stalk her. Like it sounds like the most insane relationship I've ever heard of. Yeah. And and it's just drugs, sex, power, money. And Elon doesn't need that stuff coming out. And yeah. and so and and Johnny, this is a very legalistic kind of thing. When he sued, he sued because he lost Pirates of the Caribbean. So let's say, you know, you're a public figure and you get sued. Well, first of all, it's very difficult as a public figure to win, but one of the things you have to prove are damages. Okay, you lost Pirates of the Caribbean. How much did you get paid? $20 million a movie. Okay, well, that's some damages. And you think it's because of this? Yes, I do. Okay, well, as you are as you were, you know, after you've filed suit, after you have filed suit, you landed Fantastic Beasts. Oh, how much did you get per movie? $20 million. Okay, so where are the damages? There are no damages to, to uh. be had. Now, he lost Fantastic Beasts since then, but that's after that's only after he lost being a wife beater. So once the wife beat a ruling, then they kicked him out of Fantastic Beasts. But he has no damages. He has zero damages because he landed in the franchise after he filed a lawsuit. And at he lost the same it rate of, pay. of his own accord because he lost Correct. that verdict. Okay. Correct. So. Huh. Interesting. This is all, it's, it's all very interesting too. And it's just interesting how celebrities navigate it. And I just think too, like your reputation versus damages. Now, I remember you were saying, I think that it was on one of your Q&A episodes over on the Patreon, you were saying that you and Dumois never want to get sued because if you ever had to, you know, you said that it would be pretty easy to win because like you said, right. how do you prove damages from like one blind item? But if you won or sorry, if you accepted it or something, I don't know anything about law, you would have to give up your identity. So... Is that something, do you guys keep anonymous because you're afraid of harassment or do you keep anonymous because of like legality issues there? Well, do keeps anonymous because she likes her real job. And okay. that's generally the case. And, but 
on the most recent one that I did with her, she actually didn't have her voice distorter wasn't working because she's always yeah, worried that people going are going to... Re- yeah, like yeah, a little bit so each pe- time. So people, she's always afraid that people are going to recognize her voice. And uh, to me, she sounds like every other person who lives in New York <laughs> of that same age without a New York accent because she doesn't have a New York accent, but just everybody who's basically the same age. She could and, be any of my yes, girlfriends. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And it's not like, say, talking to so Claudia. Um, who who has like a distinct New York accent to, to go with it. So it's mm-hmm. a little bit different. Um, now, so she has her reasons. And then also she hasn't been doing it as long. So she's a little bit more gun shy as maybe I was in the first three or four years. Like, oh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if I can get away with this, you know? And, but both of us, it's not that we wouldn't win the lawsuit. It's just, we don't want to get sued because if we get sued, then it all kind of goes away, at least as far as the the anonymity goes. So, and have you ever gotten sued? Can you for a blind item? That's the thing. You can always sue. Yeah. You know, it, it doesn't. You could sue for just about anything. Now, it, it might not be a very valid lawsuit, but you know, just like the the one Meghan Markle's half sister did, yeah. it's not maybe a valid lawsuit, but you can at least get it out there and try. Um, so, yeah, you know, you you always have that kind of in the back of your mind. Okay. <laughs> a lot of people wrote in. They want to know what your big three is astrologically. I think you're a Sagittarius <laughs> sun, I believe. A lot of people thought that there was Libra in your chart. Do you know what your big three are? I do not, but I'll go with what you said, Shanna. Okay. Okay. So Sagittarius, people had said they knew you were a Sagittarius sun that would be born in December or January, I think, winter birthday. Yeah. Okay. I see Libra for you because Libra is, you know, the the justice scales. We were like, and he's a lawyer. Maybe that makes sense. Someone had a question for you. They said, is staying in law school, is staying in law school worth it because a bitch be doubting herself? That is a good question. I would have yeah. to know what state that they live in. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay. It also depends if they're paying for it, how many loans they're getting, all this kind of stuff. Because you know, when I came out of law school, I had several hundred thousand dollars in debt. Mm. And if you go straight to big law, like if you're in New York or you went to a really good school and you can get into big law where you're making the 150, 200 grand a year and you can pay off those loans and you're okay with working 80, 90 hours a week for the first three or four years until you get it paid off and then you can go find a different job, then it's fine. Um, and you will make a lot of money after being in big law and going somewhere else or working for yourself, however you want to do it. If you're going to have all that, you know, debt, and then you want to go work for, um, something wonderful doing, um, work for some kind of Greenpeace or some kind of, you know, small thing like that, yeah. you really have to think about it. Cause you're going to pay, get paid 60 or $70,000 a year. And your law school loans are going to be $4,000 a month. Yeah. Um, it also depends if you can pass the bar in California. It's in New York. The bar passage rate is extremely low. Um, it's very hard. You sweat. And before you take it, you have to spend even more money on courses to, to get you ready to pass the bar. Because one of the things in law school they don't do is help you pass the bar. Um, they teach you things that are extremely important, but it doesn't seem like it at the time. Um, because it's not actually helping you pass the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that they teach you that's really helping you to pass the bar is the way if you have to write an essay question, you generally answer it in law school the same way that you answer it on the bar exam. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you go to a school that's 
decent and says, okay, yes, we're going to give you a bunch of multiple choice questions that are going to be reminiscent of the ones that you get on the bar. So you're hopeful for that kind of thing. Um, but I, I had to learn two new classes for the bar that I had not taken in law school because they were electives, but they were on the bar exam. So I basically had to, to learn those all by myself in, in three months, like read the whole book and then um, learn all the law from them and make note cards just as if I had taken the, the actual class. So it's, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, so you would I'm say dependent be, on a bunch it, of factors. The first, you know, two words that a lawyer will always tell you is it depends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Am I that guilty? It depends. <laughs> Should I get divorced? It depends. <laughs> Everything, every single answer that an attorney, you'll know they're an attorney. If, if you ask them a question, some kind of legal question, honest to God, the first two words out of their mouth are, it depends. Well, you do that sometimes too, even with blinds, you know, like did this happen? <laughs> well, it could have, it, it could have not, you know. Um, but I mean, it is true. Somebody else wanted to know, do you like to cook? There were questions about like what your hobbies are. Like, let's say you have a lazy Saturday. What would you do? Lazy Saturday, probably go to the beach. Um, oh, I enjoy the beach. I enjoy the beach a lot. Um, I, I do cook. Uh, I like to cook. I like to go out. Uh, but yeah, I enjoy cooking. I, th I think there's something cathartic and relaxing about it. Yeah. And um so yeah i like cooking yeah i feel like it's like art for people who aren't good at art because like you get to create something yeah i'm not good at talented. art so that would be very good <laughs> yeah i'm not good at art okay and then the last one i'll end on which i thought was pretty funny someone said what would both of your blind item reputations look like if you had blind items written about yourself i'll let you go first um how are we describing ourselves is that what we're doing yeah i guess like if you were in blinds what would you be in blinds for i was thinking about it i was like Back when I was in college, I would have so many blind items about me kissing girls. That would be like every single blind item. And my college that I went to, they actually wrote blind items every Sunday nice. morning. They would pass around pieces of paper and you would find out like who hooked up with who. And it would be written in very obvious blind item format, which was fun. Um, but I feel like if I had blind items now, I like I stay at home and I podcast like I don't really go out. So I don't know if I would have any. How about you? Um, probably something probably like a drunken public or something like that, but that doesn't really <laughs> happen anymore. But, but yeah, stuff like that. And, um, making a, just not, I'm, I'm very, if, if I'm drunk, I'm a very happy drunk. I'm not a, but things like that are just, Oh, so-and-so was stalking so-and-so again. You know, there's a lot of that because if I see somebody, <laughs> I, I will follow them. I will literally follow them if, if we're out in public just to see who they're talking to or whatever. I have no problems with that at all. Or, um, if I see them in a mall or whatever, I will follow them. I forgot uh, about that. Like in high school, I would literally drive by the houses of the boys on the cross country team I liked. And I would put it in park and I would stay there with my friends and chat until we <laughs> saw some movement. Like I would literally stalk people. It's not surprising that we like blind items. I'm like such a creep. Yeah. Some people um, would be on there for being creepy. <laughs> I got to tell you this and you can edit this part out if you want. Okay. Okay. So, but I got to tell you this because it was just stuck in my head and I don't want you to take this the wrong way. But, you know, the, the TikTok that you were doing with um, where you're, you're doing your hair at the same time yes. you're doing TikTok the other day. Yes. Right? Okay. So I was like, I, I looked and I go, what is she, who does Shannon remind me of right now? We're just like she's doing this with the hair. And then have you ever seen the movie Grown Ups? Grown Ups? No, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen okay, it. Okay. So like with Rob Schneider and Adam Sandler, it's one of those kind of movies. You know, it's got Chris Rock in it. Selma okay. High, I call it this kind of stuff. But so, but Rob Schneider's got very, he's got three daughters and one's like Malin Ackerman. One is like Brenda Song. And then there's this other woman and she's got the hair and it looked exactly like your <laughs> hair the other day. 
And I was just like, oh my goodness. That's exactly like the second I thought, Shan, is she going to like a party where she's doing the hair like like <laughs> Rob Schneider's daughter in this thing? And it was just, it was very cute. And I was just like, <laughs> just, you see, I'll that's how look you it do up. things because you can just talk and do your hair or talk and you're doing your makeup or talk and you're, you know, doing, having something to drink. Oh yeah. Have... Like in bed or something. Would yeah. you ever oh, like yes. cover your, Andy, you were in a dream of mine a couple weeks ago, but I of saw course that on your Twitter or whatever. Yeah. But I've never seen your face before. So it was just someone in my dream with their hoodie up and like blackness <laughs> where the face was. And I was like, Oh, it's like empty. Like that's what I think of. Would you ever like I don't know, like face filter or put something over it or like be all blurry. Would you ever like come, you know, 10% to revealing yourself or do you think you never will? Well, I did Secret Societies of Hollywood. Um, Wait, and what's, I what's was, that? Uh, it's on E. You guys should watch it. It's very oh. difficult to find. Very oh. difficult to find because uh, they are. I'm a creep. I'll find it. But Secret. like YouTube, they will take it down from YouTube. So sometimes you have to go to like Vimeo or whatever. But yes. Secret Societies of Hollywood, it's also, Shannon, since you're on the Patreon, you can find it there. Okay. Um, because I posted it, like, a couple of months ago, again, because the original been down. But it's a, it was a two-part television show, and, like, a each really Hollywood story, like, behind the scenes of the conspiracies and stuff in Hollywood. Mm. And so I'm in it, Mark Ebner's in it, um, some other people are in it, and, yeah, they used a, they used a shadow on me. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm going to go watch it after this tonight. <laughs> so... Thank you so much for giving me so much of your time. Of course, you are on TikTok. You might be coming back. You're <laughs> on Twitter. You're on Patreon. And I just caught up with your most recent Patreon episodes. Once a month, you do Q&As, which it's kind of similar to what I do on TikTok Live. You just go through and you take, what, 100 questions that people ask you and yeah. you just kind of rattle off answers for them. It's one of my favorite like series of uh, episodes that you do on there because you just have so much knowledge. Someone will ask you about like Joe and, you know, within three minutes you get like a complete rundown of Joe and his blind items and his life and things like that. And I think you post you post very often on Patreon too, right? Yeah, I try to do like 20 to 25 a month. So, yeah. I mean, that's always my goal. It's and, but like this week, like the Q&A, and I do love the way my listeners, like they asked about Don's Plum, which is this movie that Leonardo DiCaprio and Toby Maguire did and then got banned in every country in the world, basically. And, you know, but they'll ask random things like that, but then they'll ask about, what do you think about Jen Shaw? You know, <laughs> and so it's it's that. But so I did those Q&As and then I'm talking to you and then I talked to Do on Monday and then a Zoom party today. So probably like 600 questions this week i would imagine so yeah, a lot of questions it was a lot oh this is my very last question do you think you could ever get dumois to unblock me because i feel like we could be friends in new york oh what are you blocked on i'm blocked Twitter? on Inst- i'm blocked on instagram all right yeah i'll talk to her today <laughs> yes. talk to her. i'm not, i'm gonna talk to her in about um in about an hour and a half so okay great because i do think if we linked up together you know together you we could well she just blocks everybody though right yeah i think so i mean i have said before that i think some of the posts are a little bit pre and i think some of them didn't come true but that's like you know that's how it is for all blind items i probably said that some of yours i don't believe in um yeah. so i and think that's, that's just you know I will tell her, are you fluently forward or is Shannon? Yeah, I'm fluently forward. <laughs> on Instagram? Yes. Okay. Yes, right. the great mending. Okay. Um, anything else that you want to add at the end before we leave things? So do you think that yes. because, and I feel like I, I did this to you, that because I have turned you on to Cam Gray, yes. that, that because of all of that, 
do you feel like a lot of your, do you feel like you've had a lot of Swifties not follow you or all of a sudden just come out and say, can you notice the change? Yeah. Are you talking about like the, the Gale or like Swift it, believers? Yeah, that kind of thing or, you know, Agron kind of thing, any of that stuff. I, after talking to Cam, AKA what I will say for anyone yes. listening, um, I completely believe in Swift Gron almost so much. Her research was incredible down to like the weather <laughs> patterns of like when the songs happened so much so that I almost now I still believe in the Carly Kloss Taylor Swift. But now I almost believe in Diana Agron more because it was so secretive. Um, I do believe in both still. And I will say, I think it is taking off in a big way. I've been seeing the Jezebel article about it. A bunch of people talking to me in the DMs being like, you completely converted me. I'm talking to, I've told everyone in my family about this. A guy friend of mine said he was walking through Tribeca the other day and a bunch of guys passed him talking about the theory that Taylor Swift could be gay. And he was like, everyone I know is talking about it now. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like it's, um... I don't know. I feel like it's happening and I think the tides will turn in one direction because I think this year we have to either be getting an engagement announcement or a breakup announcement. How much longer can you, you know, date in secret for without anyone seeing you? I don't know. What what's your guess for like the future of the Gaylor Swift theory? Cuz you probably get a lot of write-ins about it. Not as much. I mean, oh. I just defer to Cam about it, really. Yeah. Um and I think that Cam brought up a good point about, you know, Taylor going down to Panama and stuff. And shouldn't we have got a, an engagement right after that? Um, but I think that the next time we do something like this, that maybe it should be you, me and Cam. Yes. And, you know, we can <laughs> just talk about it all because I enjoy listening to Cam talk so much. And she has written thousands of, not thousands, tens upon tens upon tens of thousands of words yeah. about it. And organized it all in such a way, no, and has it all in research. her head. Yeah, and has it all in her head, and and she's such an incredible person. And I just, um, but I wanted to know how if if it, if you had seen because you had never come out one way or the other. I don't think prior to that really. And now you know you talk about it a lot. You do some TikToks about it, <laughs> yeah. which you wouldn't didn't do before. <laughs> and it was just it doesn't affect me in any. Because people just kind of know, well, I'm going to write Taylor stuff. Maybe I'll write that this way. Maybe I'll write it this way. Maybe it'll be something really sweet about Taylor. It just depends. Um, but I think once you go that direction, you know, it's tough to to come back from that. Yeah. You mean like Swifties who are like, oh, it's like it's negative of you to say that she's gay? Yeah. Well, like do, you know, I I tried to introduce her to Cam and but Do's followers don't want anything to do with Gaylor or Swift Gron. Oh, yeah. Or the subreddit, like they block you if you even talk about it, which I'm like, mm, that's a little I weird. Just, I just I feel like, why aren't you at least talking about it? You just it's, you just want to assume yeah. that everything is John Mayer and Jake Gyllenhaal and and, and they won't even give be. my theory about Martin Johnson a try. So yeah, Martin Johnson has to be also like if Taylor literally promoted an entire album saying, here I am with all of my gay friends and my bisexual wig on at the very least, she's not going to be offended by no. the theory. Yeah. So I don't know why everyone's acting. People get really weird about Taylor Swift. I think it's the least fun fandom. Not I mean, not all of them. I think obviously the Gaylers are fun, but I, I did a joke on TikTok saying that Taylor Swift doesn't sing about shaving her pubes like she should. And everybody, I got DMs being like, she is the best songwriter of our generation. Like, how dare you? <laughs> I'm like, this was a joke. It was a joke. 
So who there knows? You but yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, NC. I love the idea, Yumi and Cam. If nobody's <laughs> sick of the Gaylor content, I would love to, and maybe a couple months from now, just do yeah, one sure. big <laughs> raging episode on it. <laughs> and we could drink during it. So yes, yeah, a little happy hour. <laughs> I like that. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on, as always. And I'll thank you for everything you do. And you know, I'm a huge fan, and I love you, and all that, <laughs> and everything that you do. And you're amazing. Oh, thank you so much. I hope I dream of you again. Maybe this time I'll get to see your eyebrows. Imagine yeah. if I put together who you were via my dreams. That would be fun. That would be. Then <laughs> I would be, whoa, blown away. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on, NT. All right. I will talk right. to you later. Bye. Bye. All right. Huge, huge, huge thank you to NT for coming back on again. Um, his Patreon, I listen to it like it's the radio. Um, his episodes are long, like we talked about. He puts out a huge amount of work on Patreon. So head over there if you ever want to hear him real few lines and just kind of talk more about what's going on in Hollywood. I don't have too much to say at the end since, you know, I know that we talked for so long. You know, I could talk about the Oscars, but I just feel like in this industry, you know, things move so quickly. It's like we're already over it. You know, what could be talked about was talked about. What I will say is I was listening to the episode most recently, I think, of Bad Vibes. And Alexis was saying that Halle Berry was the only black woman to win Best Actress um, Oscar. And that was back in like 2002 or 2001 or something like that. I, I forget the exact date. Anyway, that led to like me looking up all the previous winners. And I was like, okay, Halle Berry, like, let's go. Then a couple hours later, I'm on TikTok and I see this video, which is recapping a Reddit thread of like, what's the most rotted illegal shit that celebrities have done and then gotten away with because nobody talks about it. Guess who was like number one on there? Halle Berry for doing a hit and run and just driving off and not even checking to see if the person that she hit was like alive or dead. I was like... I, it, it's crazy. That's just how social media messes with your mind. You know what I mean? Like literally I was like two hours ago, Halle Berry, yes. And then I read this and I was like, Halle Berry, no. So it made me think there could be inspiration down the road to do an entire episode on like the actual illegal fucked up things that celebrities have done. Did you guys know that Caitlyn Jenner killed a woman also with another car accident? So I just feel like that could be interesting down the road. And of course, I feel like, you know, I mean, since I teased it, I'll tell you what happened. This was in May of 2000. Halle Berry ran a red light. I think the red light is alleged. I'm, I'm trying to look up stuff about that anyway. And she hit a woman uh, in the car and then just drived off. And she ended up having like a little gash on her forehead. The woman had to be rescued out of her car. Um, anyway, and she took her to court and they were like, is Halle Berry, you know, was she under the influence of drugs or alcohol? They, you know, claimed and they found that she was not. But they said that it was the second time that she had done a hit and run and fleed. Fleed? Fled. Am I good? She has definitely fled. Anyway, from an accident. And it turned into this whole thing where, like, the highest sentence that she could have gotten would have been, like, a year in prison. But, you know, obviously, she didn't get that as the sentence. Um, she herself had a forehead gash that required 22 stitches. And then the other driver had a broken wrist and other injuries and things like that. So I always find it interesting. You know, I will say what we saw at the Oscars was something where if, you know, not a celebrity did that, if a random person, let's say a seat filler, <laughs> a.k.a. Kirsten Dunst, let's say a seat filler came up on the stage and punched Chris Rock, it would 
would be a completely different story. And I think you hear about a lot of these car accidents and, you know, obviously uh, sexual abuse and, you know, sometimes murder. And these celebrities get away with it in a way that, like, no other normal plebeian person ever would. I did a video a couple months ago about Meryl Streep's grandson or like nephew or something like that and he was involved in like this he basically like beat this kid he got in road rage and grabbed this kid out of his car and beat him and he got off like scot-free not saying that Meryl Streep helped just saying that she has you know influence and power and probably helped him with things like that anyway so that's just an idea for down the road you know things that wouldn't be alleged but things that are kind of covered up and not talked about so Anyway, a few things to say before I wrap things up here. The first one is our Substack is now free. So if you are looking for, you know, the podcast to continue or, you know, more bits, go over to fluentlyforward.substack.com. And every Friday at noon, you will get like an email in your inbox. It's just a little newsletter, extra blind items that didn't have time to make it into the episode or blind items on like current trending topics or if someone DMs me something juicy, it's like a good way to share it with people. So feel free to sign up there. And in the meantime, I will catch you guys next Monday. Thank you so much for tuning in and have a great rest of your week. Bye, guys. Bye.